Hello! This week, we take a bit of a stroll through the back end of the 60s, going into run about the middle of the 70s. We go into the hospital and speak to a great guy who talks about one of the great, what do you say, filmic performances by a musical band, if that's not too long a title. Anyway, whatever it is we're going to do today, welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Yes, welcome to the show. It's Friday evening. That means it's time for us to go back through time and have a look at the pre-1980s output of Hollywood and see how great it was and talk about how things just today just aren't good as they used to be. Isn't that right, Sean and Sharon? Indeed it is. That's right, Tosin. Yes. My name is Tosin and I am going to be your host for the next hour and a half as we go back through these films and look at them. With me are Sean, as you've heard already. Hey, Sean. Hello there. And Sharon. <coughs> hey, Tosin. Sean, you sounding okay? You, you sound like you might we might need to get you to the hospital. Yeah, soon. yeah it does sound like that, doesn't <laughs> it? Really? Yeah, no, I've had a, a strange run, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Okay, cool. Good to go. Oh, don't worry. We can do some heavy lifting and just like, yeah, give your voice a little bit of a break. A little bit of a break. Oh, how about you, Sharon? How's the day been? Yeah, it's been one of the, it's my day off today, so I had a nice lazy day. Well, apart from getting the lunch, sorting things out at home, taking my mum to a hairdresser appointment, picking her up from a hairdresser appointment, and <laughs> <laughs> preparing nice. for this show. So apart from that, it was a nice lazy day. <laughs> it's always, always the way with days off, isn't it? You yes. think, yay, day off, and it ends up not being too much of a day off for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So um, today, let's just talk to you about, about the format of the show. We tend to go through, uh, first of all, first off, we have you have a bona fide classic, which is a movie that we think, look, this is a movie that is just widely accepted. This is a classic, maybe for 1980. Let's talk about how great it is. And we usually then go into the hospital and go for a patient choice where we talk about usually the first film that a patient in our pet ward, Alveston, has seen or saw at the cinema. Um, we have a bit of a change from that today. I shall explain why in a second. But then after that, we have the... Uh, hidden gem where we talk about a film that is great not many people have seen it and so it hasn't received the recognition it deserves and we try and redress that balance and finally we talk about an exception to the rule a film made after 1980 that we think it's still great enough to be mentioned in the same breath as all these other films uh, uh, did i miss anything now guys no, I think you've covered it. Okay, yeah, cool. I think so. Yeah. Covered it. Now, today, we are going to switch things around a bit. We're going to, so we are going to have our, our patient choice last. And that's because I spoke to Carl. Hi, Carl. Hope you're listening. Hope it's all working for you. Uh, I spoke to Carl in Alveston earlier today. And Carl requested, he, made a, he had a film that he'd requested. And he also requested that we play his requests at a certain point. Because at that point, his wife will be with him and they can both listen to it together. Oh, that's good. That's nice. So, yeah, so for you, We Carl, always like to oblige. Yeah, so for you, Carl, we are flipping the whole show on its head. And we're <laughs> going to kick off with our, with our bona fide classic, then our hidden gem, then our exception to the rule. And then finally, finally, rounding off the first hour of the show, we will finish off with The Patient Choice. <sighs> cool. Now, I think we've got everything. The technology is working. It's not trying to stab us in the back. And we go into our first film. Now, we have a Facebook page. And on the Facebook page, we ask people to suggest movies that we should talk about. So it's not just us saying, we think this is a great film. Oh, yeah, we think this is a great film. We also get people to actually write in and say, this is a film that we think, okay, yeah, that if it is great, we, you guys should talk about this. And on there, we had a guy called um, Glenn, a friend of the show. We go to a film quiz with him on Thursday evenings. And Glenn suggested this movie. He suggested Performance from 1970. But before we talk about this, I think this is a film that is probably most famous for having Mick Jagger in it. 
Would you say so? Would you agree with that? I would. I would agree with that. Yeah, but it's it's sort of classed as Mick Jagger's first film, although um, it was released after Ned Kelly, um, which Mick Jagger was also played, was 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 Ned Kelly, which came out before performance because yeah. I think they had some trouble getting the film released through yeah. through one thing and another. Yeah, you are starring a, a really really. I think young Mick Jagger looks scary. <laughs> I actually think young Mick Jagger looks way scarier than old Mick Jagger. I think I much prefer old Mick Jagger. Like the face looks right. Young Mick Jagger looks like a. Oh, Steve! I used to like there was a radio show called Steve Wright. I don't know if it's in the afternoon. Oh yes, yeah, radio two. Radio And he used to have like does he still do David Barry and Mick Jagger? No, he has different people. Different people, but I mean, it used to be like hello, Mike. And you know, and then David Barry, hello, Dave. It's just like the funny thing is that young young Mick Jagger. I always thought he looks looks a little bit. He looks he looks quite feminine almost. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, there's got those like, thick lips, isn't he? Those yes, red lips. And there's just something about that doesn't... When you look at old Mick Jagger, you think, okay, cool, I can deal with that. When you look at young Mick Jagger, you're like, wait, what? What the heck is going on? Anyway, anyway never mind. But um, before... So, so we will come back in a second and talk about performance. But first, we're going to play some song, uh, play some music from the film. And this is probably one of the most... Uh, is the most famous musical number from the film. It's called A Memo from Turner. Uh, that was a member from Turner from the 1970 movie performance. Now, before we get back onto uh, worryingly good-looking young Mick Jagger, I just have to say that you know the the Rolling Stones. You know how everybody always talks about the Rolling Stones and talks about how great they are. Yeah, yeah. Then is I have to admit, as a confession, I never got the Rolling Stones. I never understood what was so great about them. I hadn't really heard anything that made me think, oh yeah, these guys are brilliant or anything like that. No, until they. Uh, so until it was explained that they were essentially sort of taking was it like sort of southern u.s blues and sort of running it through an english filter and then i was like oh oh and all of a sudden i think i've now started appreciating them and now they're thinking oh that's good and like even that song is i'm kind of like yeah kind of i kind of digging this i kind of digging like jagger's delivery and everything like that but that's just an aside about the rolling stones yeah i must i, I, I fall into the camp that they haven't done anything decent since 1972 yeah i, I wasn't <laughs> i wasn't the thing i haven't heard anything decent full stop uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's um yeah yeah i mean i think they've done some some great music but i have to agree with sharon on that um I, they should have retired gracefully as well <laughs> bless them <I> <laughs> although on about that there is and if people catch it as um keith richards there's as I don't know if you ever saw that, but it was about him growing up. It wasn't really about the music or anything. Yeah. It was just Keith Richards. You can catch it up on iPlayer. It's well oh, worth yeah, a yeah, look. I I the, did you see it? Oh, no, I, I saw that it was there, but I didn't watch it. Yeah, because he's like, he's great. Oh, Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were, that, he's a character, caricature of himself, he's, isn't he? He's a character of I himself. I have to confess, though, I, I, they were at the Isle of Wight Festival a few years ago, weren't they? Played the headlining act, the Rolling Stones. And I went to the other side of the river to listen to them. And I went with a friend, and we only stayed for three songs, and we got bored, and we left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, really. Well, I think a lot of those, and I mean, I know it's lovely, and you know, I know it's lovely for people to see, but when you think of those, those, 
rock stars or pop stars that have been around for so many years. Yeah. I think they should retire gracefully and let. Yeah. I mean, when the Sex Pistols played whatever every year they played, you know, it's just like what you know, and like want to see anarchy could in, last yeah. for like seven minutes, you know, with these big long guitar solos. It's like oh no. Let's yeah. You want a time machine to say that I want to see the Rolling Stones, but I want to see them in 1968. Yeah. Please. Uh, I'm I'm actually okay with them still touring because. It keeps Keith Richards out of trouble. Yeah, I guess I <laughs> guess that's imagine. a good one. Imagine what he would if you told him to be retired and sit down at home. Imagine what he would be getting up to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, no. Still be smoking his forty five. They say that Ron Wood still manages to get into trouble, doesn't he? Has he just had twins or something? He just had twins. Like Seventy one yeah. or something. He's just had twins. Yeah. I'm just that's kind of like, no. But anyway, okay. So <laughs> anyway, enough about yeah. yeah. Enough about enough about that. Enough about hey, Mick Jagger's weirdly <laughs> youthful looks. Now, Sean. I think you're the one who has this freshest in his memory performance. Yeah, it's 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 a while ago since I I, I watched this movie, but um, I mean I I basically the premise is I it's like two two films I think really because the first half an hour or so it's great it's like a a London gangster flick you know with like protection rackets great top guy gangster Harry yep. Flowers what a great name Harry <laughs> Flowers you know. oh Chaz and basically the story is this guy Chaz he's a bit of a you know, enforcer, if you will, for for Harry Flowers. He, he, you know, quite quite ruthless, quite nasty sort of character. Anyway, he he kills someone who he shouldn't have killed, whether it was an accident or deliberate. I can't really remember that part. But yeah. anyway, he decides he's got to go on the lamb. He's got to sort of, you know, find a hideaway. And basically, he's he's in a train station. He overhears a conversation about this this flat. That so he goes to this flat, and the guy who owns these flats or um, it's obviously Mick Jagger and he's like Mick Jagger's Mick Jagger I think in this film Mick Jagger is Mick Jagger he's just playing as himself he would just play himself like David Bowie yeah. in, in oh, Man Who Fell to Earth Man Who Fell to Earth it's, it's, it's just Mick Jagger but anyway basically he sort of he's, he, he decides he wants to go abroad but then he slowly somehow gets suckered into this whole Mick Jagger's like a faded rock star you know it's sort of and he's he's got these demons and there's, he lives in this flat with his two girls. and Yeah, but was he fading gracefully? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> no, good not one. fade that, away. Not fade away, yeah. <laughs> and basic, but, so basically this transformation, so so James Fox or Chaz gets, becomes more into the, you know, picks up the scene and, and there's this gradual transformation where he sort of takes on the persona of, and they take on the persona of each other, Mick Jack, and it, it all becomes very blurred and very druggy and, you know, Sort of sixties, yeah. So it's very sixties. It's very like uh, it's like two films, really. I mean, I loved. I remember, I loved the first first half an hour with the gangster things because it just really made me think yeah. of what 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 you know the London gangster scene would be like. Although they didn't like to be called gangsters, you know. Your and Harry Flowers. Man. I always think Harry <laughs> Flowers. What a great name, top name. But yeah, so it was. Uh, it was. It, I mean, it was great. The, you know, I, it was. I, I do remember it as enjoying it although it was like two films so maybe some people might have seen it on on drugs it might have been <laughs> totally bizarre but, but, but the, I think it's oh, looking through because Glenn Glenn has he suggested a couple of films for us to watch and I've, I'm beginning to pick up a t- pattern he's a very very big Nick Rogue fan I think big big time yeah because yeah. because the, this is so you said mention the man who fell to earth the one with David Bowie which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that was suggested by Glenn that's a Nick Rogue Nick movie, Rogue movie yeah. he has a couple more coming up he has like don't look now and all that kind of, and this is so like yeah Nick, they, there really seems to be his thing, but you were, you were mentioning stuff about the 
the first film that Jagger was in, but it was the second one that was released because of Ned Kelly. Yeah. And apparently this film, it was made by Warner Brothers. Uh, the, well, it was the studio, Warner Brothers, and it was released in 19, 1968. Oh, it was, was filmed it was filmed in 1968, but it wasn't released until 1970. 1970, yeah. Because apparently the executives at the time when the film was released, they said they, sh- they tried showing them a screening and one of their wives threw up because she couldn't <laughs> believe what she was seeing on screen. And... There was there's a scene where McJagger's in a bath. Uh, this is just reading online. I haven't actually seen the film. Where there's McJagger's in a bath with two other people, and apparently one of the executives co- commented, "Even the water was dirty." <laughs> <laughs> with, so uh, and apparently the film was it was well known for quite explicit scenes in it, which they'd never seen in a studio movie. So they they kept they sat on it for two years. One of them actually wanted them to burn the film and just destroy it. And it wasn't until a couple of years had gone past and they actually changed the administration at Warner Brothers changed that the film finally got released. And even then, it got cut all... So apparently, there's about five different versions of this film out there. I was I was going to say, because <laughs> from, from what I remember, is that it was very, like, the cuts were very jaggedy. You know, it was like yeah. real quick cuts from may, maybe a car to, you know, a person to yeah. a location to... And th- so, yeah, I can understand stand why. It did seem a bit all over the place in parts, you know. Yeah, I think you could actually have like a good, you can have a good hobby trying to track down every single version you of this film. You probably could, yeah. Because if, if in America, they couldn't understand that they were scared that they wouldn't understand the Cockney accent, so they redubbed all of them. No way, really? Yeah. So the Amer- oh, you couldn't do that. So the American bad. cut of the film has them all like redubbed so that you don't have any Cockney accents in it because oh, they're very, no. they thought the Americans wouldn't understand it. Wow. Well, I never well, I never would have, with the, <laughs> that's, that's weird, isn't it? I couldn't imagine a, Yankee accent in London, well, really? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's what I wonder. If, I actually want to find out whether they had whether they had an American accent in it, or whether yeah. they just when made it like a cleaner soft, yeah. English accent. Yeah, it, it would have been interesting because they might have had like New Jersey accents, or you know, yeah, yeah trying to make them Jersey, sound more like criminals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go down the boat. I don't know if you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hold on there. Let's just go down to the Houses of Parliament. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it would work or not. That wouldn't work. <laughs> Speaking about that, originally when they were developing this film, it was going to have Marlon Brando in the ti- in the title role. Whoa! It was going to have Marlon Brando as Chaz, and as it was Chaz. and it was going to be an American in London, and it was going to be quite a happy, happier, lovier '60s movie. And then Nick Rowe got involved, uh, <laughs> and then it had but, a, took a darker but, turn. But I must must be honest, James Fox, I think, is really credible as a. As, as a London, you know, as a yeah. Londoner, because normally everything he's in, he's, he's generally posh, very, very posh, you know, very. And I mean, the role I is like it? him in the best is um, obviously <laughs> war films, Creature of Habit, in A Bridge Too Far, he plays General Horrocks. Yeah. Is it like, James or Edward? Oh, that's this is James, James in this. Oh. Which, one, which one's Edward? Edward is the one who was the jackal, jackal the Day yeah. of the Jackal. Day of the Jackal. Were they brothers or... Did brothers, they just have yeah. Brothers, okay, yeah. okay, okay. And it was James who sort of left acting for about 20 he years. Did, yeah. After this film, actually. <laughs> Was it? It was after performance. <laughs> was it? it? Apparently, there was a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on on set that that was essentially, let's just put it this way, it was the 60s. Yes. Uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on on set and apparently it just scarred him for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, is it? Did he go and live in community or did he just, I know he lived sort of more like a simpler religious life, didn't he? But I don't know if he lived in like a, in, in a religious community or not for a while. Oh, that I couldn't tell you. Mm. That, that, that so I no, he know. used to be like, he was like, there was like a religious one, but... Um, yeah, I think he he went back into acting after you know a, a long hiatus, long, didn't he? Long, yeah, that's that's yeah. 
But yeah. he's, he, I mean, in this, he's he's very credible as a as a as a gangster, as a, as a, as a London gangster, gangster yeah. Yeah. as opposed to being a like a upper posh English upper posh, cop, poshy, poshy DC. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's got that voice. It's just got that really well educated voice, yeah. isn't it? Isn't he Lawrence Fox's father? Yeah. Uh, I think possibly. I'm not, that Lawrence Fox, know, not who's, sure who's the he's the one who's in Lewis. He's in Lewis. Yeah, I think he's his father because he's cousins to Amelia Fox, who's Edward Fox's daughter. Uh, it's one of the Fox dynasty, isn't it? They're all dynasties. Yeah. dynasties. There's a lot of them, but I'm pretty sure Lawrence is James's son and Amelia's cousin. Yes, oh, Lawrence wow. is James's for, uh, is James's son. He is. Yeah. Oh, well done, Sharon. See. Oh, for goodness sake, no way. So I was just looking at his extended family tree. This guy's got like half of Hollywood. So, okay, his son-in-law is Richard Ayoade, who you might know as... um, Yes, he's in the It Crowd. Yeah, in the It Crowd. In the It Crowd. And now he's a director. And he's he's a director. He's he's like, actually, he's he's quite a good director. He's so funny as well. Mm. He's just hilariously funny. Yeah, and obviously Billy Piper's his daughter-in-law. Billy oh, Piper, as in I, Billy from. Why do we always hang in crowds? Because we want to. <laughs> oh, 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 she she's in Penny Dreadful as well. She's in Penny Dreadful. She's in Penny Dreadful and, and Doctor Who. She was Rose Tyler. Yeah. She's married to Lawrence Fox. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and obviously Amelia Fox. Oh, man. These, these families are just so. They're just so greedy. <laughs> We want all the talent that we want it all in one family. And and Amelia Fox was married at one time to Jared Harris, so she's he's the son of Richard Harris. Oh yeah, yeah, Jared Harris, so I like him. He's good, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah so there's another sort of sideways move. Mm. <laughs> uh, keep it yeah, in all connected to each other. Sure, whatever. Uh, for now, I just want to find out what role Keith Richards has in this family. <laughs> <laughs> good old Keith. Okay, yeah. so so but but so performance. You remember it being like a bit cutty and uh, yeah, very sort of all over the bit place. Psychedelic. Yeah, a bit psychedelic. I mean, I should imagine if you were into that druggy scene, and maybe drop some. some I'm going to have to speak to Glenn something. a bit more closely. I yeah, I, I can imagine Glenn <laughs> will have to have words with him because some of the films that he, he he enjoyed Neon Demon as well. Yeah, I might have to get alongside him and offer him some counselling or something. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he perhaps he's you know. Harks back to the days of you know, free <laughs> Some, love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, well, Glenn isn't old enough to have been. Was Glenn no, alive? I wouldn't have thought he would. No, I don't he's know. Not I don't know. I don't know how no. old Glenn is, but bless him. But he does like those films. I mean, it was the one that came up with. Um, what's, what, what films he come up with? He's come up with a couple of. The, no, the ninth configuration wasn't the ninth him. configuration. No, that was Dave. No, no, that, that, that was, was that was that was Glenn's friend. Who was the? So for, so for anybody listening, for that any, was Kevin. Yeah, that was Kevin. Oh, That's right, Glenn's okay. other so friend. So I just get confused straight there. Like a little friend. Yeah. For anybody for listening, yeah. For anybody <laughs> listening to this, okay, we'll, we'll stop talking Sorry. about people yeah, who you do not know about. But let's just say that we know some people who have quite interesting taste in music. I mean, films, films, uh, and but, music as well. Yeah, but the truth is that, uh, sure enough, the films that they have they choose might be off the beaten track. But I still think that they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. you know, I, they're I, classics in their on their in yeah. their in their way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think some of the most surprising things because having watched films for, for so long, you expect that you know quite a bit about it, and some of the most sort of surprising things have come from well, Glenn, Dave, and Kevin. Like, yeah. where, where I've been like, I've been like, wait a second, or just from uh, on Facebook, someone suggests something, and you're like, what? The, I haven't and you watch it, and you're like, this is really interesting. It's really kind of off the beaten track but it's really interesting yeah so thank you very much Glenn thank you very much for our first choice today uh, which was performance and now we go on to yet another choice because now we're going on to our um, hidden gem and this was chosen by oh I guess she's kind of like an in-law of the show 
because she's a wife of a friend of the show, Giles, Nicole, <laughs> Giles' wife, Nicole. And uh, so when I was quizzing people, saying, oh, which films do you reckon? Which films do you reckon? And she just went, oh, oh, they shoot horses, don't they? And she spoke about this film. I, so well, I've just, I've done what I do sometimes on the show, which is where I just finish watching the film. And I've more or less come right from the screening room straight into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so I have my head buzzing about this film. But before we talk about any of that stuff, let's play the opening music from They Shoot Horses, Don't They? So that's how the film kicks off. So you have this juxtaposition between a sort of like sweet little, possibly a bit sad music, and then this sort of like thing that keeps cutting in. Now, before we go, well, explain what's going on there. What do you guys know about this film? I know it's about a dance marathon. Yep. But Set uh, in the 1930s. Yep. It's got, um, I know the style of the song, and they shoot horses, don't they? Okay. Um, I know that much. And that it's got quite an interesting cast. Who, uh, I know Jane Fonda was in it. Yeah, yeah, Jane Fonda's the lead. and all, uh, Bruce Stern? Bruce Dern's Bruce in the Dern. movie. Yeah, Bruce Dern's in the movie I like as well. Bruce Dern. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not like a... He's kind of like a major supporting character, if you get what I mean. Okay, but I'm not, with you. But not a not major, major one. one. He's, he's not a major one. Yeah, no, Bruce Dern's in it. And also Bonnie Bedelia, who is an actress who's close to my heart who many people might not know her by her real name, but they'll probably know her by the name Mrs. John McClane. Oh, yes, in oh. the Die Hard films. Yep. Yes, she of course. Is, yeah, she, she plays John McClane's wife. This, so this is when she was like 20 or something like that. It was one of her early acting roles. And then years later, she because this was 69, and then years later, she she's Mrs. John McClane, which is probably what she's best known for. But I saw that, I showed her the video, I was like, no, it can't be her. Then the character showed up and I was like, oh my God, it's her! <laughs> 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 as I said before on the show, I love seeing people that I've known when they're older, when they were younger, and like in other ends. Yeah, and you suddenly think, hey, like, oh, why haven't I noticed it was there yeah. before? That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I always think Jack Nicholson in The Raven with Boris Karloff. Have you ever seen that? No. no. Old, you've never seen, right, you need to see, there's a film called The Raven, you know, like the Edgar Allan Poe, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Raven. Yeah. It's a film called The Raven, 
I think it's a Roger Corman film, one of his first films. And Jack Nicholson is like this apprentice sorcerer. And he has a, a, a battle with Boris Karloff. And that's like his, his first role. So uh, you maybe have to check that one. See, I'd forgotten yeah. about that one. It's just come back. Yeah, the, the, that's really... Okay, so yeah. So at the big, so the film is about a dance marathon set during the Great Great Depression in... Uh, in America, so it's in 1935. The book, the original book that was was written, and it's sort of like contemporary, contemporary, set in the 30s. And so it's after this, the First World War. People have come back from the war. They're trying to get back on their feet. The whole country's trying to get back on their feet. And there is this dance marathon. And what you heard at the beginning is essentially a guy who is the MC for the dance marathon, giving out the rules for the dance marathon so he's like okay we're gonna dance and we go around around the clock we take a 10 minute break every two hours and if you if you if you if both your knees hit the ground that's it you're out and you have this queue of people who just sort of like who are queuing up and they're queuing up to dance and you you get a little bit out of an idea of who these different people are some are actors some are one of them's like a sailor is an old sailor who's just come off and they're all there and they're all lining up and you see you just and from the very first frame of this film, you get a sense of desperation. Desperation over all these people. And they're talking about the fact that it's like, oh, yeah. You know, they just think that we, they, they treat us like cattle. And they're like, look, at least cattle. Um, they talk about, they say like, well, at least cattle get fed and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Are they playing for a prize or anything? I mean, playing, I must confess, yeah. I haven't seen this film, but are yeah, they playing for like a big prize or they're something? They're playing like, for a big prize. Right, so right. The, I think the it shows up at one point in the film. They say that the winner, so the person who essentially... La- outlasts everybody else gets seven hundred and fifty dollars, which in that time was a lot of money. Huge, yeah, yeah which was a lot of money. And as they and so they go and they start doing this dance marathon. And as they did the dance marathon in this dance hall, you 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 see you you meet the Jane Fonda character, who's kind of like you know you from the word go, she she looks a little bit like hardened woman one hundred and one. It's a woman <laughs> who has seen like you know a whole lot yeah. of hardship and other thing like that, and doesn't really care about anybody. Just wants to get her stuff and get her. And so she has a partner with her, and the partner is ill and he's he he starts coughing and you get an idea of what kind of thing this is because it's a dance marathon but they have doctors and nurses on hand and he says things like if you break a leg we can fix it if you <laughs> yeah. and, and you think uh, so you like, all this, what? so you're thinking what the heck is going on here and so this guy he's coughing and he has quite a bad cough and she's like no he's fine he's fine he's fine and she more or less tries to drag him up there and just get into this dance competition and they look in his mouth and they say, well, we think it's bronchitis. We can't have you here. You're going to infect everybody else. So they kick him out. And there's this random guy who's just walked in off the beach. And they say, what about him? And then so they drag him over and they, they get paired up. They, He'll do. Yeah, they get paired up. And then they just start this marathon. And as they start this marathon, people come in and they come and they sit down around them in this sort of amphitheater. And if the people, if they do something that the people like, the people just sort of throw pennies at them and then they pick the pennies up, put them in their pockets and they keep moving. Wow. They just have to keep moving. <laughs> and it's, it's directed by Sidney Pollock and it's one of these films where you look at it on the surface, there isn't much happening, but you kind of find yourself engrossed in it. First of all, I have to say, I think this is an awesome movie. Really? And Nicole, yeah. if you ever listen to it, awesome choice. I, I, I love this choice. And Giles... Uh, I'm not going to say this to him in real life because then I'll find out if he ever listens to this show. Mm-hmm. Giles just like to say, sorry, you were right. Jane Fonda is in the movie. <laughs> because he was like, that's what was Jane Fonda. I was like, I'm not sure about her, but it's got Susanna York in it. And it, it does have Susanna York in it. And so you have this whole thing where it's this whole people are there and they're dancing. You just feel the desperation of these people and putting themselves through it. And in about in about 15 minute sequence at the beginning of the film, it 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 essentially communicates to you how inhuman what they're putting themselves through is. 
where they're hardly sleeping because they get 10 minutes every two hours. Then they, they sleep and then people come in and just look at them and go, yeah, yeah, you have, a, you have a please me and throw money in them. And they talk about people sponsoring them. And so somebody, businesses show up and go, we like that couple and they sponsor them. And then they wear like, you know, a sweatshirt with a business name on the back and they'll dance. And then the, this, and there's an MC who's constantly going, yes, and there we have, there we have couple number 73. Yeah, wonderful over there and all that. And it's just, it's like, yowza, yowza, yowza. <laughs> it keeps, and, and, and it just builds this world where it's this dance marathon, but it's really about the people within it, and it's about the desperation that they have, and it's about what they what they will do what and what they're to willing do. to put themselves through, and how you get from this, some of these people that they don't have anything else. They don't, like what they have is a clothes on their back and a chance of what they can get there. There's a couple who are actors and they're hoping that if they do a good enough show, somebody will, because they're in LA, somebody will come from one of the studios and see them and then maybe that could be their break. There's a couple uh, who are expecting a child. So this woman is heavily pregnant and is going through this dance marathon. Oh, not sleeping and yeah. on her feet all the time. Yeah, and on her feet on the, um, it just and it just keeps going on and on. And, and the way they go, they go, yes, folks, we've been here for two days now. And even though obviously they compress a, a large amount of time, because I think by the end of the film they've been dancing for a thousand hours. Oh, crazy! A thousand hours, and so it's and for, uh, even though they're going the the way that I think the makeup, the acting, and just the setting of the film, it just gets across to you that this is horrible. This is this is not fun. And there's a bit where they there's two scenes. They call them derby. There's two derby scenes in the film, which. It's like, you know, the chariot scene in Ben-Hur. Yes. I think the chariot scene in Ben-Hur, but on foot. Cool. Because they essentially get to the point where they think, oh, there's too many people dancing. What we're going to do now is that we're going to, they start, and the way they even do it is that they just start painting lines on the floor as the people are dancing. So they're painting lines around them. And you can see the seasoned one, the seasoned dancers look at it and go, oh, no. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no, oh, no, they're not. And you think, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck? What they do? What's happening? So they essentially draw a track on the ground. And then they get the two couples together and they say, you just keep going for 10 minutes. You go round and round and round and round. And at, the ten, at the end of the 10 minutes, the last three people to cross the finishing line get cut. And out of this. How cruel. And, and these, the, 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 that only happens twice in the films, but they are brutal. All it is is people walking around and round and round in an oval, but it is brutal. And you're just looking and going, "Oh my God, this is this is not right. This is inhuman. This is this is this is just this should yeah. not be this happening." This is gladiatorial, as you're saying, isn't it? It's, it's, like these... it's totally totally gladiatorial. And what they do, and then the way it plays on people's minds and all that kind of stuff. And there's there's a couple of lines where it's almost kind of like a dis- deconstruction of because this was made in the '60s. Looking back on the '30s. And yeah, and oh, but it was written in the 30s, looking forward, thinking maybe. The but it holds a mirror up, doesn't it? Often yeah. these films, they hold a mirror it, up to really, what they're really, observing. It really, really does because there's a bit like where they have a line where they go, and this guy, and because this the guy who's the MC is he's drawing all these parallels and giving all these storylines of people on the floor going, mm-hmm. this guy, he's a sailor, he's just come back from the Great War. Let's hope there never be another one. That kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so it's made in the 60s with an eye of what's already happened. Right. And it's almost kind of like a deconstruction of that whole American dream of this. People People are, we're trying to reach for something, but it's about how ugly the dream actually is. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there's a couple of lines. Let's see. There's a bit where, yeah, there's a bit where one of them goes in and says, why are you doing this? So speaking to the MC and everything like that. And he's, he's like, look, all those people who come out there, they don't want to see you guys be good. They want to see somebody who's doing worse than they are. So his job is to more or less torture these people who are dancing so that it gets oh. worse than they are. And there's, there's bits I was watching this film and I was thinking that, this is kind of like the Hunger Games. 
You know, The Hunger Games was released a couple of, and the parallels between this film and The Hunger Games are crazy. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's about dance competition, but it's the, the but it's really not. <laughs> it, no, it, it really isn't. When you talk about the sponsors and everything, like, and the Hunger Games is supposed to be satirical. And when you think about reality TV, because this is this is this what you're watching is pretty much like the beginnings of reality TV. Yeah, the audition process where they they put people through who they know are awful just to see people laugh at them when or, they get into the or, front or of the live they, audiences. Or they put them in there and they just torture them because they know that people want to see people suffer. Yeah. And they want to see them be humiliated. Yeah, and and this is and this is the thing with and so I think it's such a great film because it it's one of those films that just sort of point points out that look humans are humans. Yeah. Regardless of what time it is, regardless of what cruelty di- doesn't regardless date. Of what the device <laughs> is, humans are humans, and the, and so I would I would recommend watching it. I mean, everybody I, I know when I mention it says talks about it being a sad film. And it is, but it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah, sad film. That's the title. Then they shoot horses, don't they? they yeah, they don't let them much. suffer. They don't let them suffer. What? Maybe that's the title. And people what? would wouldn't let people. Well, you wouldn't watch a suffering horse, but you'd watch someone else be humiliated <laughs> or yeah. made to go through awful things. There yeah. is, there is. I mean, it is. It, it is one of those films where, you, because obviously you see the title, and from the title, I had no idea what the film was no. about. I had, I had no idea. Yeah. So I started watching the film and I was like, okay, this is weird. Then when they st- when they made the whole line about oh they treat cattle better, I was like, oh they're gonna there's gonna be one of those films where they say the title in the films at some point, and they they don't do it at that point, but they do do it. And usually when you have a film where they say the title, you kind of think oh you roll your eyes, but the way that even though you're expecting it as because of the way the film unfolds. Even though you're expecting that line to come, when it comes, it still kind of lands and it still kind of hits yeah. because the guy who plays opposite um, Jane Fonda, or I think ooh, something Gazira, I can't remember his, his name, but the guy who plays opposite, he does, he he's brilliant. I mean, he's brilliant in the role. And there's, it, he's kind of like where you don't get to know much about the character, but you sort of see layers and there's things that he does that you make you think, what, why, why did that happen? But I think it's, I think it's a great film. I really, really think mm. it's. A, I understand why it's spoken about. Having watched it, and I just thought, oh my word, that it's a kind of film that'll give you a lot to think about. But it's also just a really good story. Is and it color? Is it color? It's in color. It's in, yeah. color. it's in color. And um, now that I've seen many of her, but one of Jane Fonda's best performances, hands down, okay. one of Jane Fonda's best performances. She's this just was when really she was trying to lose her sort of. Hanoi Jane. No. No, when yeah, she was no. moving into that phase oh, of her she life, was she was trying to lose that Dolly Bird sort of. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Okay. The, that's not a very nice expression, is it, Dolly Bird? Well, but she was. She played that the pretty girl role. Yeah, she, she was. Time. She was. She was pretty girl. I think she was held up as some sort of sex kitten, some sort of that's up, it. that Barbarella. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but Barbarella, and it was actually her husband who she was, who she was married, who directed Barbarella, Roger Vadim, yeah. who she was married to at the time, who was like, no, go. She first of all, she was like, I don't want to do this film. I don't get it. I don't. And he was like, no, you got to do this film. That this yeah. film is saying something more than the usual stuff that you do. Yeah. And she said it herself that this was the first time that she felt like I was working on something that was saying more about us as human beings and yeah. actually trying to contribute something than just being like popcorn entertainment. Numbers. Yeah, because she before, I think, I think this was in her 60s career, 50s and 60s career, she was, as you say, she was just the, the girl. Yeah. What year was Clute? 70s. 70s. Donald yeah. Sutherland. That's, yeah. she, she was good in that. She was. That's that's a good oh, movie. She, she's also good. In, oh, the China Syndrome. The China Syndrome. Yeah. yeah so they're her movie. 70s films. So yeah. like the, this sort of marks the turning point, doesn't it? Very but much. she got a lot of flack, didn't she, for her for politics. politics? For her politics. She always yeah. has done, Which they she? always do. Yeah. And her exercise videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that was another turning point, wasn't it? When she decided <laughs> to put on the leotard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, uh, I know I've, I've prattled on about it, but I just say Nicole, great choice. I, I really, really like. Yeah, this well, film. you've got me interested. Yeah, no, it's before. Yeah, and, and you can you can see it on YouTube. 
Ooh, cool. <laughs> so it's, you can see it's, 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 it's out, out there. there. It's out there. It's out there. You have to watch a lot of ads, but it's out there. And it's, um, I'd, but I, I, yeah, as I said, really, really impressed. Um, right. Now we go into the section of the show. We're getting closer and closer to Carl's, Carl's bit in the show. Carl, I'm going to try and hold on as long as possible, so I'll make sure that your wife is definitely with you before you play your bit. But um, now we go into a section of the show which we call our exception to the rule where we choose a movie that we say has been made after 1980 but is still awesome and will if if this movie had been made like you know in the 60s they would have still have said oh my word wonderful way great so carol uh, not carol you're not carol no. i know someone called carol does that I do, count i do know someone called carol what <laughs> where did that come from okay so sharon um you have chosen the film today. Yes, I have chosen a 2000 film, and I think this is a, a genuine modern classic, and it is called Pitch Black. Good call, Sharon. And it features a one Vin Diesel. Yes, 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 Pitch Black. I mean, when she said that, I was good like, movie. yes, yeah, that's good a call. Good, good call. That is such a good call. It is an awesome call. But yeah. I, and the main, well, I, I'll let, I've, I've been speaking a lot. You guys go ahead. You, tell us, okay, Sharon, you tell us Sharon, why you picked you tell it. Us, tell us about well, it. I picked this because I do like science fiction, and I think this takes a a science fiction standard, and it turns it around, and it does something really interesting with something that we feel we're familiar with, but then it does it in an interesting way. So the basic storyline is there's this transport ship. We don't know what year it's set. It's in the future. In the future. Space travel has become a, a thing. So there's a space transport ship carrying a disparate group of people on board that is hit by a meteor storm and it crashes on this seemingly uninhabited desert planet. Mm -hmm. It's surrounded by three suns, so it is scorching hot all the time. And it has this one moon, um, but it is so it's it's hot, 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 bright, bright, bright. And they crash land on this planet, and there's only like a group of a small group of survivors, about eleven. But one of the people on board the plane, on board this transport ship, is this man you have no explanation about other than that he's dangerous. And you hear his voiceover at the beginning about how dangerous he is and how the animal part of you never sleeps when you're in hyperspace. Yeah. And then he says, "That's why I'm still awake." So you know immediately that there's something different and a bit strange about this guy. And his name is Rid Riddick. Mm. And he, when they crash land, he escapes from this the wreckage of the thing. And the film starts off where you think he is the peril. He is the danger. This is going to be about him versus everyone else on the planet. Yeah. And then as the story unfolds, you realise that there's something in the dark. That there's nasty things waiting to come out. And their hours of darkness are very short. So they think, oh, they just have to batten down the hatches see out the darkness and everything's going to be okay and then they, they come across these sort of buildings where someone has been on this planet before but there's no trace of life on there and they date it back to an event 22 years previously yeah and then they have this sort of almost like a solar system set up where you see the, the planet and its suns and its moons going around and they work out that every 22 years there's a lengthy eclipse over, over a month long of solid darkness and then they find out that these nasty things that are in the dark are basically biding their time and that when the suns go down or get hidden that it's lunchtime for the beasties <laughs> in the dark and that nothing survives a month in the dark yeah but Riddick because of his background his eyes have been polished so they have this strange gleam he can see in the dark he pretty much has a night vision goggles night for vision, eyes yeah. yeah he can see anything so he is uniquely equipped to deal with a a world suddenly gone dark 
And instead of him being the big bad, he actually becomes a sort of anti-hero where he has to, he, he reluctantly sort of tries to sort of help, find a way off people, of this plan. Yeah. And, and he ends and up does, helping Yeah, them. he does end up helping uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, right, you talking about it just makes me want to go watch that film yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, and that bit, and I think it's in the trailer as well, I, I just love the bit with that confrontation between, you know, Riddick and one, and of, one the of the beasts. Yeah, yeah. And the game, they're just like, they're staring know, each other staring out. Staring each other yeah. out. That is, that, is, that is brilliant. I really, There's really love that. There's some great set pieces. There is it? some great set pieces, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but I, I, because I, I agree. With, so I'm, I think he had some other stuff No, to no, say. I was, that's Sorry. it. That's my, I'm out. Because I think, and that's it, is that you get to the point where it's the, it turns on its head. So you're the anti-hero, the bad guy, becomes the saviour of them almost. Yeah. And you see... He never sort of loots down his armour, but you see chinks every now and then where of a human and a of the, bit, his yeah. humanity coming out. Mm. But he's also, you never forget that he's dangerous and that he's a force to be reckoned with. And some of the other characters you think, oh, he's going to be the hero. One of the characters, think, oh, he's set up to be the hero. And he turns out to be weak mm. and unsympathetic. And so you're like going, yes, <laughs> you've turned these sort of standards and these stereotypes and you've just gone... Let's not do that. Let's yeah. do something Let's with this standard yeah. sci-fi fare and make it really good. Uh, and, uh, there's a girl writer, Michelle, in there as well. Yes, yeah. she's really good. And she's not just a typical sort of bird in it. She isn't like, you know... Yeah. She's in your damsel in distress. No, she's, she's like, capable. Oh, Riddick, save yeah. us! Save me, save me. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, my clothes have just fallen off. <laughs> it's, no, she's capable, she's strong, and she's not just there to be a romantic interest. She's there... She's the captain of the ship, or she becomes the captain of the ship when the captain dies. She takes, she's in control. She's strong. She's, but she's still a woman, and she's still feminine, and she's yeah. still pretty. So, it's like, yes, I, the strong woman in the film that isn't. You got to love strong weaver. woman. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that this is one of those films that takes, uh, takes, well, a, a sort of a claustrophobic setting and a very simple premise, and just you know, sort of figures like, okay, if these are the limitations. How are we going to figure out a way through this? What's going to what can happen within this? And I think yeah. that that's what uh, Pitch Black gets right. That let's say it's sequel because it's sequel, um, the Chronicles of Riddick, which yeah. went it went a bit bigger and it was like it's, there's a whole world out there, yeah. and it loses a lot of the power yeah, that Pitch I Black so. has. Yeah. Yeah. Because Pitch Black is about this is it. It's yeah. about survival. This is what it, this is a little. It's a little bit like a little bit. And Sean, forgive me, this is sacrilege. It's a little bit like Assault on Precinct yeah. 13. I, I, yes. I, I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. It is that, that very survival. It's, it's survival, yeah. really. Yeah. It's, and it's I kind of like, it's like simple setup. And is, there, is there like, there's like a, is, is there any, other, some other, I, I can't remember, a little group of people. I remember there was um, the guy that was in the shroud. I don't know if he was religious or not. He's a religious leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, religious yeah. leader guy. And, and did he have a daughter? Or was it? He had was, a, didn't some, he have two children? It's two a son and a daughter. The, the girl's yeah. like a runaway. She's, yeah. She's kind of like an orphan. Yeah, yeah like an orphan. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. She comes back in the second but film. But that, that, who's the actor who played that? Because he's David he's Keith. Been, that's it, David yeah. Keith. Yeah, I know he'd been in a few others. Yeah, I, I, I remember now. Yeah, David Keith. Yeah, yeah. And he, you, some of them you're thinking, oh, he, I hope he, he makes up. it in the end. And the, other <laughs> <laughs> the others that you think, no, we don't want him to. <laughs> and others you're thinking, oh, you're doomed. You're doomed. <laughs> well, I actually remember watching the film and honestly not having a clue who was going to make it off that mm, planet yeah. if anybody was going yeah. to make it off that yeah. planet. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, but I think it's just, it's just one of those small, lean, and I, it's actually very 70s. I, it I think is, when yeah. I think it's very John Carpenter. Almost. Yeah, very much. Yeah. So. It's like yeah. claustrophobic thing, 
it's lean, it's muscular. They didn't have a massive budget, so they couldn't go crazy or anything. And I think also they didn't have a magic massive budget, which also made them keep the creatures hidden, hidden. Yes. for That's for a longer period of, yes. of time. Yeah, that was that was. I think really it's good. a big yeah. reveal. Often ruins it when you see the creatures. You think, yeah, it's not that scary. Yeah, no. and it's, I think because it's in the shadows, there you see these flickers of movement, and you you get the impression there's something nasty out there, mm-hmm. but you don't get these extreme close ups of all the. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all morning. glimpses and it's all glimpses. that yeah. and it's all, and it's it's all sold it's way. all sold on the reactions of the cast to yeah. whatever is out there. Yes. And I think that all that stuff is just like I think it's directed by David Twohi or Twohi. I think it's pronounced something like Twohi or Twihi, I don't know. But it's uh, but it's and it's just it's just very very economically made mm. and it's just it uses its premise brilliantly. It uses its premise brilliantly and I I I just think yeah, man, I, really, I want to go watch that film now. Yeah. I want to go home and see if it's on Netflix or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, scrap Suicide Squad tonight. I'm just going to go watch Pitch Black again. And I think Vin <laughs> Diesel's been around a long time, but this is the time you really went, whoa, actually, Vin Diesel. Yeah. He's, you know, he's got presence. He's got sc- proper screen presence. Yeah. Because I think, is this before or after? And I think this is before he did the Fast and Furious. The it was before. Th- this was essentially when the world sat up and took notice of Vin Diesel. Because he'd been in Saving Private Ryan, hadn't he? But he had hair, and so no one noticed him. And I think, I don't know if he'd been in a few others. He'd been in a few dramas, like The Man Apart, I think he did before this. But I think this was his first one where everyone went, actually, yep, th- this, this was... guy has got screen presence and he will sell a film. Yeah, this this guy could be a star. Yeah. And I, it, yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to say, with Vin Diesel, I, I, I do like him as Riddick, but uh, some of the films, I mean, the Fast... Well, What's his name in the Fast and Furious movies? I know everybody Dominic, loves him, but Dominic Toretto. Toretto, oh, I, yeah. I've only seen I the just, first one. Uh, I have yeah, to say. no, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> from a personal point of view, they they, they don't really. Well, work you know, I don't me. like car chases. So <laughs> no, a film based right. on car chases, it's like well, yeah, no, no. whatever. And then the truth is that they've changed them. They're not really about car chases anymore. Yeah. No. You, you, you've got to you've got to approach them as superhero movies. Okay. If you approach them as superhero movies, <laughs> then you can you can enjoy them with your brain uh, off. Yeah, and even the Rock in it hasn't tempted me. Watch. No, all Jason Statham as well. All Jason said, yeah, with my tick, 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 and I'm like, still, I can't do it. I just can't do it. (laughs) I think starting all three of your secret (laughs) crashes in one movie and (laughs) it still doesn't work. And it's just like, yeah, I can't. Starting around about uh, about the fifth film because essentially it was going one way up to the fourth film, and then they pretty much just threw it out. They threw out almost every. They kind of rebooted the entire franchise with the fifth film and made it something else. And that's why I think like they're just flying because it's pretty much it's pretty much they're pretty much superheroes in them. Okay. But right. essentially, I think Pitch Black it brought with Vin Diesel out there. People thought, oh, we can sell a movie with him. And I think there were a couple of not a couple of attempts to sell him as a movie star that were not as well thought of as Pitch Black. So the Triple X movies, the yeah, first so Fast supposed and Furious to be, movie, yeah, the big thing, yeah. weren't they? The Triple mm-hmm. Xs. Yeah. I've they... seen one of them and thinking. Mm. Have you seen the latest one, The Last Witch? Hunter. Yes, I've seen yeah. the last Witch Hunter. I quite enjoyed that. I actually <laughs> didn't mind it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's no Pitch Black. No, it's no, no. Pitch Black. Because that's for, for sure. For me, I still think Pitch Black is the best. Vin oh, Diesel outstanding! Movie. Definitely. Yeah, yeah no, t- totally yeah, with you on that. I think Riddick sort of um, reclaimed a little bit of the ground lost by the Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. The third film. Yeah. But again, even then, it had too mm. many nods towards the first one for it to be entirely original. Yeah. But uh, I think the pitch black, the, the yeah. Pitch black, definitely. Head and shoulders above, yeah, everything, above else. everything else. I read a blog by Helen O'Hara from um, Empire Movie Magazine 
who had a real, real, uh, she was really, really annoyed about the Chronicles of Riddick because of essentially, you know, we're talking about the strong female character. Yeah. She says, yeah, the strong female character in the Chronicles of Riddick who got undercut and turned into something that she was like, what? How dare you? <laughs> we don't have many strong female characters. How dare you do that to her? <laughs> Why suddenly make her wussy? Yeah, 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 yeah. But never mind. Anyway, Pitch Black, great choice, Sharon. Great choice. This is a this is a show of good choices. Good choices. <laughs> yeah. We, we are fulfilling. We are fulfilling our mandate. This is awesome. Don't make them like they used to. They, they don't make them like they used yeah, to. Yeah, we want more Pitch Black, please, and less of this tat we've been getting on the cinema this year. Vin, Vin Diesel, you hear that? You hear that? That you don't you don't make them like you used to. Why was <laughs> the Pitch Black? Huh? Where's the rest of the? Where's the other Pitch Black? You did Pitch Black. You did Saving Private Ryan. It was looking all great and wonderful, and then you went and did Triple X. What the heck is wrong with you? And he's making another one. Ne oh, never mind. Okay, out of rant <laughs> mode. Out of rant mode. And now we go onto our patient choice. Hey. So. Earlier today, Carl, thank you so much for waiting. I hope your wife is with you now because now is your time. We have the section where we go into Adopted Ward Alveston. Now, you may have been listening to us on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, and you may have heard about this section of the show. You may even know that this is when we go into the hospital and ask a patient what the first one that they saw in the cinema was. However, you may still be wondering exactly what happens in Alveston. This is the ward where people go in for their elective procedures. The way I understand it, this is planned surgical procedures as opposed to emergency surgical procedures. So they're given a date and they said, come to the hospital and we'll sort this out. And I met Carl, who was in for a hip replacement, just got his hip replaced. And, um, and this is what he had to say about his first film experience. Okay, so yeah, uh, sorry, what was your name on the catch? Carl. Carl. So Carl, you were saying the first film you saw in the cinema. What's the Slade film? Uh, what was the title of the film? Was it Far Far Away? One of their songs, yeah. Oh, the, the Slade, Slade the Band. Slade the Band. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was the first film I saw. Who did you go with? Just a few mates from school. Well, there's three I'm trying to think of. It was um, Slade, Far Far Away, and... sedation I'm under. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 can t I can totally imagine. I can imagine it's not easy right now to recall anything. But I know there was one Warriors. Oh, yes. An American film where all these gangs in New York get together to try and get rid of the police and they all join up but there's one nutter that takes out a copper and he blames it on the warriors. That was the one name of one of the groups. And they have to get back to Coney Island. So sorry they're not like happy little films like Grease or... <laughs> no, no, actually, we actually spoke about the warriors a couple of weeks back on the show. We actually had that as one of the ones. I love that film. It's a great film. Yeah. Because it has the guy at the beginning with the... Can you dig it? That's, that's him. They all meet up in the park and do that, don't they? Yeah. And this weird bloke, he goes, It was the Warriors! And then they have to run through. Trouble is, all the best ones in the Warriors get knocked off at the beginning. All the good gangs get knocked off in the beginning. That was the only shame about it, but it was a good film. Yeah. I think... Early films, that's all I can remember. 
All right, cool. Uh, so is there a song from, do you, would you like us to play you a Slade song or anything like that this evening on the show? Oh, that would be good. W- which one would you want? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, squeeze me, please me. Squeeze me, please me. Yeah. Okay, we'll get that for you, Carl. Because I only saw Slade at a Butlins weekend last December. And, like, obviously Noddy's not there anymore. But the other three are, Dave Hill and the other two, and they um they they play just like they used to do when they were a four piece, and they're fantastic. So, squeeze me, please me would be great to hear. Okay, we'll get that on for you then. Okay, yeah, and uh, that I'd just like to apologize for the periodic sort of like you can hear. He had a fan in his room that was sort of like oscillating, and every now, every now and then, the fan would sort of come around again and just sort of go to where the camera. And I kept trying to like point the microphone away from it, but every now and then it was like. Okay, Carl, it's almost seven o'clock. I've stalled as long as I can. I hope your wife is in. And now for you, especially as you requested, here is "Squeeze Me, Please Me" by Slade. Now there's an era for you. I saw, I saw the expression on your face there, Toes. You, you didn't quite know what to make of that, did you? Well, no, 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 no. I quite no. liked it. I, I listened to it beforehand because, ah. yeah, obviously, okay, like most people, I mean, I only, all I knew of Slade was here it is, Merry Christmas, because I came in uh, when I got to the country and there were just a whole bunch of people playing all this music, uh, like Christmas time, and that song was always coming on, and that was all I knew about Slade. Yeah. It's, it's funny that that Carl should pick that one because me and Sharon, we both thought. When you said, oh, you know, would you like to play a particular... We were both thinking, we both come, think, on, come fill on, the fill noise. the noise. We both of us thought, come on, fill the noise. And it was yeah. like, whoa, that's a... Because, I mean, Slade had some great hits, really. Yeah, you, you know, could forget about them. Goodbye to Jane, you know, yeah. come on, fill the noise, which was covered by Oasis, which is a yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. cover version. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the thing is, uh, I know after, you know, Here It Is Merry Christmas, and you start listening to some of Slade's back catalogue, and they're actually... They're, and it sounds stupid to say, but they're credible rockers. They're yeah, actually yeah. like they, they're like a they, proper band. They actually started <laughs> off as 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 the band they started off as was like the skinheads more or less took them on. You know, yeah. some of their they started off as like a skinhead yeah that band. first look yeah that they had the, look, the, you know, the, the braces the, the jeans yeah. and then gradually they became a bit more poppy glam rock, glam rock era yeah. Yeah. yeah which was great sweet yeah because like, they had the very know. short hair with the sideburns didn't they and but, their braces yeah, and yeah. The, yeah so they, they so they tried to to change slightly but they were very much a skinhead band you know they were to start with oh wow from Starrabridge which is south of Birmingham the black country Birmingham yeah you know not so but yeah no the film I think was Flame Flame, flame. it's Flame yeah, yeah flame. it's Flame Far Far Away is one of the f- big songs in the film so, that's right but it, it, the film's called Flame and it's been referred to as a Citizen Kane of rock musicals see I've never heard of it before today well, they, oh, I, I've yeah, I, yeah. I've, I'd heard of it I've, I'd heard of it but I'd never seen anything like that and they said that the 
the because obviously well i think around about that time i think the, the beatles had done hard days night and film stars i mean sean we were talking earlier about how around that time was it, like f rock stars doing movies was a thing movies, yeah and as i say well the monkeys did a film called head you know do you remember the monkeys you ever yes, seen that? I that, was remember. All, that was all very tricky psychedelic they're all a bit psychedelic aren't they? yeah they is were. this before the who did tommy uh Yes, yeah. Because you think of Tommy as being like the definitive rock band film. Well, that's, yeah, like a, a rock opera, which which is a great movie, Tommy. Yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love Tommy. It's probably so a bit. I haven't seen it for ages. It might be a bit dated now, but some of it's not, but no. other bits have have dated. But <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. I saw it quite recently. I think all, but what all, about what's the name about them? What's the story? Okay, now this is the. I think I think this is what makes it elevated above the level of rock star wants to be in a movie. It's essentially a story about. So it starts off with Slade, so, so, uh, like two members of Slade are in one band, and another two other members of Slade are in another band, and the bands they're in don't really work. Work so they get so some industry music industry insider goes and goes. All right. I think these guys would be good together, puts them together, and then it's about their journey as a band going from like, you know, obscurity to superstardom and about all the people who have come around and trying to get it on there. The former manager wants to get a chunk from them and all this kind of stuff. And essentially it goes, it, it takes you from a band, from the birth of the band to the death of the band. Because at the end of the, at the, end of the film, they all sort of decide, oh, forget this, this is too much, and then they break up. And so the, it's essentially slayed giving you an insider's view on what the music industry is like. Oh, a bit like the David Essex ones then. Is it Stardust that David Essex did? That was like a rise and Stardust, fall of yeah. a pop star, wasn't mm -hmm. it? And Hazel O'Connor, Breaking Glass. Yes. Have you ever seen Breaking Glass? That one needs to Yes, I've seen Breaking Glass. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good movie. I used to like Hazel O'Connor. Yeah, Hazel O'Connor was fabulous. Yeah, really good. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, yeah, we're just but no <laughs> so breaking just, glass. It, but it yeah. opens Do you up remember? a whole genre that it you does, don't yeah. you forget about that. Yeah. Actually, sort of musicians have done some actually quite groundbreaking films, mm. haven't they? They they do expose the nature of the music industry, which I suppose none of us would see, but no. they yeah. they're aware of it. I mean, they tried because, to do that earlier they, this they year. Through, they live through it every day. Yeah, yeah. they nice. tried to do that earlier this year with that film. Kill your I, friends. Kill your friends. Yeah. Which I did. I was one of the few people who actually did see that. See that. Oh right. Um, but it was it had dreadful reviews. People actually ripped it to shreds. Yeah. In there, but it wasn't that bad. No. But yeah. But it was again. It was like trying to look at the the exploitative nature of the sort of music yeah. record companies I, but, and the executives. But with the David Essex film, that will be the day I, I I really remember really well. Stardust. I I don't think I quite remember it. The only bit I remember is Adam Faith coming down. He's OD'd. He's OD'd. <laughs> oh, that's the only bit I remember yeah. from Stardust. So, but that will be the day. It's a great movie. But anyway, back to Flame, sorry. Yeah. Slade, do they act, do you act oh, could you say they were acting in it or they were just being the versions of themselves? Oh, no, totally acting. Totally acting, Totally good. acting, uh, especially the thing is, Noddy Holder is actually quite a good actor. He's quite, he's quite a nuanced actor. He can do comedy, he can do like, you know, gravitas and all that kind of stuff. He is actually quite, and so I think they, they because obviously with Beatles, Hard Day's Night and everything, everybody wants to cap, uh, um, sort of cash in on it. Yeah. And he, they, apparently Slade turned down quite a few film roles. They were like, no, we don't want that. That's too like the Beatles. We don't want that. That's a, but when this came along and they said, this is essentially, it's a, a satire, like ripping out their music industry and yeah. pointing out what's up with the music from the inside. They were like, yep, we're down with that. And they decided to sign up for that. So for so from what I understand, it's it's um it's not like one of those showbiz stories where everybody walks away going, "Wow, yeah. I want to be that. <laughs> I want to be a rock star. I want to be a performer." Mm -hmm. It's like one of those where you walk away thinking, 
dang, maybe that's, I'm better off uh, with my life. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking that the evolution of like the rock star film, because you have like the Alvis where they're like vehicles, really very much vehicles for yeah. the star, for mm. them to show their talents, for them to sing, for them to act a bit and dance a bit. And you've got like the Cliff, early Cliff films, you know, that again, they're like showcases, aren't they? To, you yeah. Got, there's like there's it's you know, like two hours it's of like, okay, singing and dancing. It's like right, we got six songs and we've got to figure out a way of linking them. <laughs> yeah, let's make us let's make Mamma Mia out of it. <laughs> and so and then they've got these others that where they're rock stars, but they're actually acting, and you see there's yeah. a story and there's a moral and there's a it isn't it's, just a star vehicle. It's, it's that was that it's was a creative thing. thing. Yeah, it is because for instance, Elvis. If you look at his first film, Jailhouse Rock, that was actually kind of like. Well, I think it was his first one. I, th- I think it was his one first one. of his early ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah it's um, it, that's him actually trying giving a performance and giving yes. a good performance. Yeah. yeah. But then he he got really really frustrated because he wanted to act, but all he wanted to do was sing. They yeah, were like, yeah, it's like, yeah. like, good, go yeah. to go, make go girls, sing. girls, girls. Yeah. <laughs> They're like saying it's like, oh my god, like all those ones like Kid Galahad and stuff yeah. like that and oh. You uh, could say there's the first five films he did, he acted in, and the rest he was just Alvis singing and dancing. Just, uh, yeah, wasn't he? Just, uh, especially when they were set in Hawaii. When, yeah. they, were yes. set, when they were set in Hawaii, it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. jolly. Alvis in shorts. Hey. I still think Spinal Tap's a great That's a brilliant film. <laughs> Actually, I think that sort of probably put the death to the rock star I film, think it probably it? did, yeah. Yeah, that but, is wonderful. Let's just turn it up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> just spotting the ten louder. No, but this one goes up to 11. Yeah. I like the, <laughs> I like the Stonehenge. It's classic, isn't it? I like the Stonehenge. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tiny stone. And then there's the, the pod things where one of them yeah, doesn't well, the open. Yeah, the bass guitar gets <laughs> stuck. That's great, yeah. And all the drummers die mysteriously, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that's that. Like, you're probably right. After that, it was like you know, uh, well, people just decided not to do it. They just yeah. couldn't do it because it, be, it would become Spinal Tap, wouldn't yeah, it? It, it would, would just become yeah. any rock band in the film would just become inadvertently it would be just Spinal Tap. Yeah, because the, the last one I can think of, well, actually not a rock band, but just like a music star trying to make a film was Britney Spears with a film called Crossroads. Yes, and terrible. Mariah Carey do one as well. Oh, good lord, even more Glitter. terrible. Glitter. Oh my <laughs> Haven't seen it. I'm aware of it. Uh, well, this this David Brent film coming out is supposed to be. Uh, it's or that, well, that's that's I'm looking forward that's to that. following the footsteps of Spinal Tap. <laughs> Tap yeah. It's just yes. a total mockumentary. <laughs> I yeah. think it's got to be total it mockumentary because I think he's great. He's excruciating, isn't he? It? Yeah. It's one of those things you're not sure whether to be yet so embarrassed because <laughs> it just gets worse and worse and worse, or whether it's actually funny. It's that knife edge between being excruciating and being funny. You know, I I always came down on the side of being embarrassed. I I like yeah. the the British office. I think I haven't really watched the American office, but the British office, I just, I can't, I remember watching it with some of my friends who were like, you know, having a bit of a marathon. Yeah. This was back in the days before you even had DVDs, it was on VHS and they were trying to do a marathon of the office. I remember watching it and just after a while going, I can't handle it. I, I, it's just so, number one, he's so <laughs> stupid and nothing good ever happens for any of the characters. It's yeah. just so dank. It's and, just, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't handle it. So, but yeah. But anyway, um, Carl, I want to say thank you very much for that cho- choice, for the choice of music, for the for talking to us, for talking to us even through the haze of all the, um, the sedation and everything like that. Thank you so much. I was going to say that. the narcotics haze, yeah. but that makes it sound like it's psychedelic trip, but it yeah. wasn't that at all. Well, <laughs> We've had well, surgery. Some of the films we've been <laughs> talking about surgery. today could have been a psychedelic trip. <laughs> Well, get well uh, soon, was, Carl. Anyway, yeah. yeah, get well soon, Carl. Get well soon, Carl. Hope Take you care. and your lovely lady enjoyed that. We are out and uh, out of time. So thank you very much, Carl, for joining us. Thank you for hanging around. Hope you and your wife enjoyed that. Um, 
Till next time, please do get get well soon. Get home, watch a couple of movies, and as we always say on this show, remember they, they don't make them like they, they used to. to. Thank you so much, guys. It has been a pleasure serving you tonight.